You're listening to a podcast of Spurious Morality. Hello and welcome to a podcast of Spurious Morality. I'm Connor and today I'm joined by Jimmy. Hello. And we have a special guest on today um, because we're going to talk about uh, the the uh, Doctor Who magic decks that just came out and I thought I would ask the biggest uh, fan of magic that I know to come on and join us and it's actually my brother Ben. Hello. Hello, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Um, so, as I say, we are here to talk about um, the Doctor Who Magic cards that have just been released by Wizards of the Coast. Um, there are four decks in total, um, each focusing on a different era of Doctor Who. Um, would you mind, Ben, just starting off by telling us a little bit about what magic is? Yes, I can do. So, magic is, or Magic the Gathering, is its full name, is a trading card game. It was made by a fellow called Richard Garfield in 1993 um and the gameplay is sort of centered around you as a player take the role of a planeswalker who is a powerful mage that can travel across the multiverse and magic has all these different um planes of existence and each one has like a different a different theme or style you could have a traditional japanese one or you know more sort of traditional fantasy and the gameplay of magic involves you playing cards from your hand, which are spells, uh, and you use resources called, called lands to cast those spells. And the goal of the game is to defeat your opponent, who takes the role of another planeswalker. Uh, and the best way, or the main way to do that, is to reduce their life total to zero. Um, so it kind of is the you know the sort of traditional trading card style of of attacking your opponent with uh, creature cards to reduce their life total to zero. But it's not just creature cards. There's a whole range of card types in Magic, including but not limited to artifact cards, which tend to have lots of wee abilities you can activate. Uh, Creature cards, as I said, which um, can attack and block. um, And then you have more traditional spells, which are one-time use cards that have an effect. so that's just a quick overview of, of the game, I suppose. That's great. Thank you very much. And uh, Jimmy, you actually used to play this um, uh, in years gone by. Um, what was it like for you, um, first of all, playing it when you did and then coming back uh, for the Doctor Who sets? Well, it's been a long time since I was a current player. I started playing the game because a friend of mine played it way back in primary school. And so this is like the mid-90s to early noughties. I mean... The time when I started playing was 4th edition and 
the time where I um, sort of stopped playing regularly was the Tempest block. So obviously things have changed a hell of a lot. I've sort of vaguely kept up to date with Magic since I've, um, I had a few friends who still played it, but we didn't get a chance too much. I'd buy like a booster here or a deck there and I'd sort of read stories about the lore because that side of things always fascinated me. But I just never got back into it until this came along. And now being such a huge Doctor Who fan, I've been drawn straight back in and bought every box straight away. So I haven't had a chance to actually play it yet, but I've been looking through it all and seeing, you know, how it works compared to Magic of the Old Days and how well they've sort of realised some things of Doctor Who and how less well certain others. So I've got a bit to talk about on that front. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to talk about it with someone who's actually had the chance to play it properly yet because I'm hoping I'll get the chance to sooner or later. Yes, absolutely. Um, so these these cards are slightly different from regular Magic cards just uh, by virtue of, of, of the line they've come out under. Um, ben, you might give us a wee rundown of, of yes, that. Yes, I can do. Um, it was it was interesting to hear, Jimmy, there about about sort of what was happening in Magic when you were playing. And I'm looking forward to hearing maybe a bit more about that because, well, I've only started playing Magic the last maybe three or four years or so, really, whenever the, the lockdown hit. Um, and magic has changed a lot even since then. So Wizards of the Coast, who who make magic, have a new sort of initiative, a product initiative. It's called Universes Beyond, and Doctor Who is the latest product under that name. And Universes Beyond allows magic to dip into other IPs, um, for example, they released a Lord of the Rings set. Um, there's an upcoming Final Fantasy set coming out. There are um, Fallout Commander decks coming out. And I should say that Commander is the sort of primary format that most people play in Magic, and that is what the um, Doctor Who decks are, are based on, uh, this Commander format, and it involves a player selecting a legendary creature card as their commander, so to speak, and it sits outside of the game that they can call on any time, uh, and their decks are are built around that. And there's some uh, minor changes to the rules, like increased life total, um, and that is a, that is a multiplayer format. So these decks have been designed um, for 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 multiplayer games um, for people or so. Um, but yes, this universe is beyond is is what has facilitated uh, Doctor Who and Magic to come together to create this product. That's great, thank you. Um, so I think we'll dive in then and do uh, just we'll start talking about the different decks. Then, so there's four decks have been released, and as I said, they're each sort of focused on a different era of Doctor Who. Um, and the first one of these is called Blast from the Past, and this focuses on the classic era of Doctor Who. So this is uh, from this has the the first Doctor through to the eighth Doctor, um, and characters from their eras. Um, so we'll 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 talk a little bit more in depth about these. Then this one sort of focuses on a mechanic um, called historic spells, and that is um, Ben. I'm sure you'll correct me if I'm wrong here, but that's uh, legendary cards, um, artifacts, and sagas. Yes, um, it's not a mechanic, so to speak. It's more a, a grouping of card types. Um, so saga cards are a variant of enchantments, which are permanents that sit in the battlefield and tend to do an effect over a sort of longer period of time. They're mostly passive. 
Um, but sagas in particular, traditionally in magic, tell a story. Um, this could be a story of something that, that, that happened in magic lore a while ago or summarizing a event from the magic story. Um, and they're really fitting for the Doctor Who set, which I'm sure we'll come on to later. Um, artifacts I talked about briefly before are sort of devices or vehicles um, and things that you can usually you can like activate them to to have an effect. Um, and then legendary creatures differ from regular creatures a little bit because they tend to be named characters. For example, a legendary creature in the Doctor Who decks would be the Doctor, whereas a regular creature um, might be a Dalek or a Cyberman or a unnamed unit soldier, for example. Um, so legendary creatures tend to just be sort of named characters that have relevance to uh, the story of Magic or Doctor Who. Okay, and, and how have you found this deck um, generally? How have you found it has worked whenever you've been playing it? So Blast from the Past is a little bit of an outlier for me because... I really love Doctor Who, but I haven't seen, admittedly, many classic episodes. <laughs> I've seen a couple of this the episodes from Genesis of the Daleks, and I've seen the Green Death, and that's about it. So this is one that a lot of the flavor was maybe lost on me a little bit, but I enjoyed the deck. I enjoyed all the decks. I maybe enjoyed this one the least, and... Part of that came down, I think, to the lack of awareness. But as well, I thought that the commanders for this deck felt a little bit underpowered compared to some of the other ones. Now, whenever I say commander, I'm referring to the legendary creature choices um, that have been selected as sort of the primary, the primary commanders to run this deck. Um, and for this deck, it's the Fourth Doctor and Sarah Jane, which Connor will talk about after. But I did enjoy. I did enjoy them. Um, I just felt this one was maybe just not for me. That's fair enough. And uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, what did you think about uh, Blast from the Past? Yeah, it's certainly an interesting deck. I think um, I think they might have made a bit of a mistake in trying to fit the entire classic series into a single deck, because of course. You know, the new series decks, it's a lot easier. You've got practically every companion that was in it and everything's covered, whereas the classic series, you've got all the Doctors, but companions-wise, like the original TARDIS team is there, but there's no other first Doctor companions, or Jamie's there, but there's no other second Doctor companions. And I think there might have come a bit of a bias into it with the – because obviously the people who designed this must be hugely into Doctor Who, but they've got their own bias, like every fourth Doctor companion except for Harry and Romana is there. So it's, um, yeah, it's certainly interesting to see what they've favoured versus what they haven't. And as I said earlier, the thing that for me is magic-wise, I was always into the lore and the planeswalkers and how different colours had different personalities and you could tell a character from their colour. And that's why this deck, I think, worked the least well for me because the, some of the colour choices... We're right. I mean, even with limiting it to white, green, and blue, I, I get the logic of that. But even when with characters who are those colours, like I think, for example, the second Doctor and Jamie, like, yep, um, makes sense to have one of them be two colours and the other be one. But, I mean, 
the second doctor being white mana, which is all about order. Like he's the most chaotic doctor other than Tom himself. And he, you know, even to the very end in his final story, he's standing up to the time Lords and well, of course I didn't follow the rules. They're wrong. And so putting him in white mana doesn't make sense. And whereas Jamie, Jamie in green mana, like he could have been white. Like if they'd made the second doctor green and blue and Jamie white, then you've still got every color represented. If you want to use them as your commander pair, but it would feel a lot more in character because Jamie's, you know, a soldier. He's a Jacobite soldier fighting for his people, fighting for his king. He's a classic white character. So, and of course, other than that, with um, Ace, for example, like Ace is the definition of a red character in mana, in magic mana terms. And so seeing her green just feels slightly weird and off. And so, yeah, I think if they'd had the time and the budget and they could have given each decade its own deck instead of each and the entire classic series in one, then they might have been able to represent the characters a bit better and be a bit more true to them. But um, despite its faults, I do still love the deck. Like the artwork is incredible for the most part. I think the only card off the top of my head in the classic series deck that the art isn't good as Ace. They've done a great job on her costume, the background, the Dalek in it, and then you've got her face, which is just nothing like Sophie Aldred, to be quite frank. It's, yeah, this not just this deck, but this whole collection, amazing artwork, but there's a few little things like that. So the, the things I do love in terms of the artwork are especially the Monoptera, Vreston and the token Monoptera. The artwork's incredible, like... You would not think of this when you see the web planet because, I mean, look at the screenshots of it and then look at these characters. They're just so well realised. And I think um, you, Connor, said that the someone on the design team had basically said they were trying to do the classic series as it would have been with no budget limitations and fully realised. And I think cards like the Monoptery in particular show that or when it comes to the plane chase cards, the Cave of Skulls having a giant mammoth skeleton in the background and... I love those little exaggerations and enhancements. It's the same reason on the DVDs that I often love the um, enhanced editions with new special effects and seeing what the show could have been rather than the limits that it had at the time. Um, other than that, the other thing that I find interesting with the sagas in this one is An Unearthly Child. The artwork's great and it works well for the whole story, but um, the artwork is very much of the caveman side of the story, whereas the ability is more about find a doctor, find a companion, find a vehicle, so obviously the TARDIS and get it into play. And so it seems a bit odd that the card is simultaneously law-wise and ability-wise, it's focused on the first episode, but the artwork is very much for the rest of the story instead. So, yeah, it's just little things like that that threw me a bit. But despite those faults, as it were, I do find most of the cards they've done a really brilliant job on. So... Yeah, it's certainly interesting to see how the game's changed. Yes, I think um, I think from my point of view, um, for this deck, um, I, I, I have found it easier to play this deck um, by switching the commanders out. So the, the the face commanders, the commanders who come sort of as the as the default for the deck, are the Fourth Doctor and Sarah Jane Smith. I think they only really trigger under a very limited and specific set of circumstances. Um, um, just looking at the fourth doctor there, he can play. He he lets you look at the top card of your library at any time. That's normally not not allowed. Um, but you can look at uh, you can as I say with him, you can look at the top card of your library at any time. And once a turn, you can play a historic land or cast a historic spell 
from the top of your library, um, which means you don't have to draw it, you don't have to put it in your hand. Um, you know, it's if you know it's there, you can play it straight off your deck. Um, and when you do that, you create a food token. I think that's a very limited set of circumstances compared to some of the other commanders. Um, and it, it, it does slightly limit the deck when you're playing it with him. I have found it much easier to play the deck when you run it with the Brigadier as the commander. Um, and that's basically whenever you cast any historic spell, um, you create a soldier token. That's a 1-1 one, one white soldier um, that you can use as a creature. Um, so that builds up very quickly. Um, and what he also allows you to do is if you have enough mana, um, you need 8 uh, mana of any colour to do it. Um, you can sort of buff your creatures, make them stronger and tougher, um, and that that really helps, I think, end the game in particular, certainly if you can build up a big enough board. Even just reading his card without having been able to play the game yet, just reading the Brigadier's card, I was like, okay, I'm pretty out of date with things, so I can't be certain, but this seems really overpowered. So, yeah, as soon as you said that you like to use him as the commander instead, it totally made sense to me. I will say that... The pre-cons here, all four of them, are a little underpowered compared to some of the decks you might see people playing at your local game store. Um, the timey-wimey in particular, which we'll come to, it has a lot of trouble closing out a game. So it can pop off, you can be doing a million things on your turn, and then at the end of your turn, you find that you're maybe not any closer to winning the game as you were at the start of your turn. The Brigadier solves that problem in the Blast from the Past deck. He is a win-con in the command zone, and that is something that's very valuable for a commander deck. Very much so. Certainly, that was the key for me to enjoying this deck um, compared to others was to, was, to, was to run it with the Brigadier in charge. Um, there are The way it works is... Um, you can run, you know, Doctor's Companions as as commanders. That's what the decks are done. There's this deck has the most combinations of Doctors and Commander, uh, Doctors and Companions, um, purely by virtue of being the classic series and having eight Doctors in it. Um, so I've picked out a couple of the other ones here that just jump out to me as 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 good for running it. The first Doctor and Susan are great if you're playing with the Plane Chase cards. Um, those are a slightly different type of card that we'll talk about a little bit later on as well. Um. But those sort of let you take control of the plane chase cards. Those are their uh, the way they work is you roll a dice, um, and that lets you. There's there's a, there's another deck of cards sits in the middle of the table called plane chase, and um, that sort of represents the area in. It creates an effect that sort of applies to every player, um, and there's an element of randomness in it because you roll a dice, um, and that determines whether you stay or whether you go. Um, and if you go, you flip into another random plane and another random effect takes uh, effect across the whole battlefield. Um, the first Doctor and Susan work together. The first Doctor calls out the TARDIS, which le lets you planeswalk, if I remember correctly. Um, and what Susan does is um, she lets you draw the top two cards of the planes deck and choose which one you go to. So it lets you, as one player, take more control over those cards. Um, so they're quite strong as well. The Sixth Doctor as well also jumped out to me as quite strong um, because whenever you cast a Historic spell, which this deck, as we said, is based around, he lets you create a copy of it, um, and that occurs. Um, so you get to play that card twice, effectively. So that's that's quite strong, uh, to my mind. Um, 
there is, as I said, the TARDIS. Um, now the TARDIS appears in the three decks, which are based around the Doctors. Um, um, it's in all three of those decks, and it. Um, whenever you whenever you attack with it, if you control a Time Lord, um, it lets you planeswalk. Um, it also has Cascade, which is a mechanic that uh, lets you play a card effectively for free. Um, uh, it, it lets you cascade out. You you, you go uh, from out of your deck onto the battlefield, and when you hit, uh, uh, is is it less than the TARDIS or, or less than the last card you played? Yeah. So cascade is a mechanic in Magic where if a spell has cascade when you cast it, you flip off the top of your library or the rest of your deck until you hit a card that costs uh, less than. The card that let you cascade and then you get that for free so it works really well in the tardis because the tardis is a super unreliable uh, vehicle for the doctor and you don't know where you know it's gonna it's gonna take him or or or, or what's gonna happen you know next where their next adventure is gonna be um so it, it it speaks to the randomness of um the tardis's destination that's great, thank you. Um, you also get uh, the Sonic Screwdriver as well, um, which is a really versatile card. Um, and I think it's probably been one of the most popular ones generally to come out of the sets. Um, it uh, lets you tap. You can add one mana of any color. That's very useful in these decks um, because there are three colors and it can sometimes be hard to find uh, the right color of mana. Um you can pay one and, and tap it to untap another target artifact that lets you use it again effectively. Um, it lets you scry, uh, which is where you can look at the top card of your library. If you think it's useful, you can keep it there. Or if you think it's not useful, you can put it on the bottom and you get something else instead. Um, and the last effect it has is if you pay three mana and tap it, um, a target creature can't be blocked this turn. Certainly when you're playing with the Brigadier, um, and you do manage to build up quite a strong creature, having the Sonic Screwdriver out and being able to do that is very, very effective. Yes, the the reason this card is so popular is because of the versatility and, and the range of things you can do with it. It's would be colloquially referred to as a mana rock. So what a mana rock is, it is an artifact that lends you additional mana. So I mentioned earlier that the resources in Magic are lands, um, and you can play one land card out of your hand every turn and use your 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 all of your lands as as resources to cast your spells. Uh, what mana rocks do is they can be tapped to add more mana to cast your spells. So it gets around that one land a turn thing. It's it's a, a game action that that's called ramp, in that you are ending up with more mana than the rules sort of balance the game they allow you to have uh and there's a very popular uh mana rock called commander sphere which does the same thing as the sonic screwdriver in that it lets you add one mana of uh of any color but that's sort of all it does so the sonic screwdriver is a direct upgrade to a lot of existing mana rocks in the commander format right now uh, which is what makes it so popular. It, it is really fun to play against. It Each thing that it does maybe isn't powerful on its own, but the fact it can do all of them on one card and you can choose is a great tool. Very much so. Very much so. 
Um, the last thing we'll talk about for this deck then before we move on is some of the sagas. Um, so we talked about those before, um, which these are the cards that tell a story um, through their mechanics or their, they sort of mechanically represent a story. And I've picked out a couple of these just to give an example of that. Um, one of them is the Caves of Androzani. Um, each doctor, um, I should say, in these decks has had their own saga. So there's one episode for each doctor and then a few for each of the villains as well. Um, the fifth doctor says the Caves of Androzani. And the way this works is um, on the first turn when it comes out, um, you put two stun counters on uh, two target tap creatures. So that effectively represents the Doctor and Perry arriving on Androzani and becoming infected with the uh, Spectrox poison. Um, the second and third steps are um, for each non-saga permanent, you put a counter on it and uh, you can put an additional counter of that kind on each permanent. That sort of represents their infection progressing over the course of the story. And then in the uh, fourth and final turn with uh, Caves of Androzani, you search your library for a new Doctor card, you reveal it and put it into your hand uh, and then you shuffle your, your library. That represents the Doctor regenerating at the end and getting a new Doctor in the form of the sixth Doctor. Um, but this allows you to choose whichever one you want. Uh, you've also got the War Games, um, which starts with uh, creating uh, three warrior tokens um, and those tokens are goaded and what that means is those tokens have no choice but to fight um, and that represents the different factions in the war games that have been pulled in and forced to fight each other um, the second and third steps uh, you put a one one counter on each of them so that makes them uh, one point stronger um, and, and in terms of their ability to attack and their ability to defend um, and then the fourth one uh, at the end you can exile a non-token creatures you can exile one creature you control that's the doctor that represents the doctor going into exile at the end of the war games um, and when you do that all the other warriors become exiled that represents the different warriors being sent home back to their own times um were there any sagas you had spotted in these decks jimmy that you were particularly fond of i think definitely from what you've just said and from reading it before myself the war games well, I mean, I love the actual story, but I think it's of the ones that I've read, it seems to be one of the ones that best captures the original story because you described it really well. Um, it just, yeah, covers everything. And you've even got that um, thing with the keyword exile, like the doctor sent into exile, so we'll use the exile ability. So, you know, clever little connection there. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of flavouring in this deck, and flavouring sort of uh, is the best. It, it describes the how the mechanics work, how, how they represent the story as such. A lot of that is very strong here, and you can see a lot of the connections between the story of Doctor Who and how the mechanics of these cards actually work. We'll point out a few. I, I actually spotted a few that I thought I should mention um, because they're in this deck before we go. Um I noticed the um, card for, um, I forget the name of the card, but the one that represents Adric dying and it's got the um, star broken on the floor from his final scene. I love that it has no quote. It's almost like it's referencing the way that um, that episode had no closing music. And the other one is um, on Susan's card. A lot of the character description for how she was alien or an unearthly child and so on, it always often described her as elfin, and she's got the ability to tap to add one green mana to your mana pool, which was, of course, back in the early ones, and I assume it still is, the Lana War Elves, that, that was their ability. So they've given the elfin character an elfin ability. So, yeah, it's always interesting, those little connections, but those are the two main ones I noticed that I hadn't mentioned yet. 
We'll move on then and we'll start talking about Timey Wimey, which is the second of the Commander decks. And this represents the first three Doctors of the new series of Doctor Who. So it uh, contains the eras of the 9th, 10th and 11th Doctors. Um, I, I personally have found this probably to be the most consistently powerful um, of the four decks. Um, but Ben, you'd maybe start uh, and tell us what do you think about it. Okay, well, where do I begin for Timey Wimey? This deck is simply bonkers. I've been playing Commander pretty consistently um, since lockdown, and this deck gives me a headache <laughs> in, in the best in the best possible way. It's just bananas. Uh, it's run by, or the face commanders are the Tenth Doctor and Rose, and I want to say in tandem with each other, they work the best, the best out of all the face commanders. Um, so this deck is around a mechanic called, and it's around two mechanics, but but one's existing and one's new. So the existing mechanic this deck is based around is called suspend. So suspend in magic before involves you taking a card from your hand or from your library and putting it in exile, which is face up out of the game uh, with a number of, they're called time counters on it. So for example, you suspend a card and put three time counters on it. That means that in three turns time, this spell will be cast for free. So the idea is for a, a cost discount, so you pay uh, cheaper than you usually cast the spell. Um, and then uh, with a time delay, you get the spell cast for free. So it's like a time delay, but um, uh, you know a cost decrease, so it balances out. I think they saw time counters and went, yep, perfect, we're doing that. Um, so the 10th Doctor involves you suspending um, cards, but he also has a, a new ability, and it's called time travel. So time travel, um, when you activate the time travel mechanic, uh, it involves for each suspended card you own, so if you've got multiple cards that are suspended with time counters on them, you are able to either add a time counter or take a time counter away. So it resembles the doctor traveling into the past or the future um, to expedite the process. If you're casting your spells that are sitting in exile with time counters waiting to be cast on a later turn. So you may cast them a turn earlier or a turn later. So you might have a removal spell in uh, exile suspended. And there's just there just isn't a creature on the battlefield that you think is worthy uh, to meet its death so you might add a time counter on with time travel uh, so it stays in exile a bit longer waiting for a target or if you have a really aggressive creature that you want to get out early the doctor can time travel forward in time removing time counters off it so you get it out a little bit earlier and ready to wreak havoc so he has an activated ability on him that lets you pay seven mana and you can time travel three times so that means you get to add or remove a counter three times, essentially. Uh, and that's where the headaches kind of begin, because then you have spells resolving here and there, and uh, the stack, or which is where spells interact in magic. It's it's more of the finer sort of sort of um, uh, details in the rules. Um, spells will be interacting all over, all over the place, and that gets a little bit hectic. 
but the Doctor's companion for this deck, or the alternate commander, is Rose Tyler. And this is where the deck really shines, because she, like uh, the Brigadier, is a win con in the command zone. For each exiled card you have with a time counter on it, Rose gets plus one to her power and toughness. So Rose gets big. Um, and that'll close out games, because... With the commander format, if one of your commanders deals 21 damage, it's kind of a weird number, but that's just what the rules are. If it deals 21 damage to any opponent, they lose the game, regardless if their life total is 10 or 100. Um, it helps decks that want to win by combat damage. So the Doctor suspends cards uh, with time counters on them. Rose gets bigger for each time counter you have uh, sort of on cards. And then you can time travel to play those cards anytime you want, essentially. So that's the basic deck plan. Um, and it works really well. It's extremely strong. Um, the card advantage of the 10th Doctor is is complete bonkers. Um, whenever you're um, exiling spells and putting them into suspend, and whenever you are using him to time travel to get those spells um, out whenever you want them, it can lead to some really explosive turns. I want to say that this is the deck that I might be least likely to recommend to new players, simply because it is so complicated. However, if a new player is really keen on learning how cards interact with each other, knock yourself out and grab this one. And even though I wouldn't recommend it to new players, this is definitely my favorite deck, uh, mostly from a, 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 a personal preference to having just a, a great deal of nostalgia for this era and love for this era. This is the era of Doctor Who that, that made me fall in love with the show. And I still have toys and stuff in my room back in the day um, from, from when this was on TV. Um, and the ninth and tenth doctors would be my doctors, and it was great. Whenever we 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 had a wee night playing with the decks when they came out, and just opening all the decks, and particularly with this one, looking at all the cards and seeing uh, weeping angel references and um, all of the companions and stuff. All oh, was just it was just it was honestly a very a very special experience. I have to say, um, so I would I would genuinely say this was my favorite even if i get a migraine playing it <laughs> i know some of those turns um it, you're sitting you've got a ton of cards out there's a ton of things triggering off and and as you know as you say cards interacting with each other it does get very difficult to keep up with but i do want to say i think it's somewhat on theme for the 10th doctor because i watched on youtube i watched it was at the end of series three when martha leaves and within the space of 10 minutes, the Doctor loses his companion, meets his former self, and then the, the Titanic crashes through the TARDIS, uh, the TARDIS chassis. And that 10 minutes in Doctor Who feels, that's what playing this deck feels like, because all of those cars are in the deck, bar the, the fifth Doctor, but you will be attacking with the 10th Doctor, and then suddenly the RMS Titanic card pops out, out of nowhere, it's it's just it's just bananas. It's, it's just a headache in a deck, but that's that's a very good way of putting it, actually. It's what it suits them. It suits them very well. <laughs> I definitely agree with that, Jimmy. What do you think of Timey Wimey? Yeah, I definitely think 
I agree that it sound, seems very complicated. I mean, most of the other stuff from some of the other decks, I could pick up pretty well what was going on, but just reading this one and so many new rules and the way the time travel works, it just, yeah, it just seems overwhelming almost. I think they did a good job with uh, capturing the characters and realising things. But, yeah, as, as I say, it's not, it's not one I'd jump to play. Like, if I was going to start, I'd probably start with any of the others over this. It's um, not that it's bad, but it's just so complicating, complicated that I uh, I don't think I could manage it, quite frankly. Um, but, yeah, like you say, it seems that it's going to be the most popular one because, um, of course, that's the era that most people are fans of. Uh, when I went to the shop to buy these decks, all the other three decks were there and this was sold out. It took me forever to find a copy of this deck. I went to, like, five different shops and one of them sent them me to the sister shop at the other end of the shops that I'd already been to. And they're like, we've got one deck left. And I thought, yeah, it's not going to be this. And fortunately it was. And it cost me 13 bucks more to get this deck than all the others. And I could just think of the Ninth Doctor. I tell you what it will be, 13 bucks extra <laughs> in the fantastic trailer. But, yeah, it was worth it. It's um, the art. They've captured the characters really well. I think the only thing that didn't sort of capture so well for me with this one is um, they seem to have limited themselves to every doctor's going to be two colours, every companion's going to be one colour. And then, so for example, you've got Rory and it's like, well, we need to do him two colours to make him work. Oh, so we won't give him the doctor's companion ability, even though he is a companion. And so, yeah, it was just stuff like that that sort of, again, the lore is always what so interested me most with both Doctor Who and with magic. So those little areas where things don't quite gel or I would have done it differently. They just, yeah, they make it a bit frustrating. But um, overall, it does look like a great deck. It's um, certainly if you're skilled enough and know the rules enough to play it well, I suspect it would do brilliantly. But, um, yeah, it's not one that I could just feel I could jump into really. It's interesting that you mentioned Rory because I actually think the flavouring on Amy and Rory works really well. So Rory in the show, at least in Series 5, he didn't want to travel with the Doctor. The only reason Rory started travelling with the Doctor was because Amy was was going um, and she sort of pulls him into that life. The way the cards work is if you're playing the 11th Doctor and Amy you know, as the commanders of these decks... She's partnered with Rory. She gets pulled out, of, or he gets pulled out of the deck as well whenever she's played. So that does sort of, to my mind, that works quite well. That the Eleventh Doctor and Amy go off on an adventure, and Rory gets pulled along with them, whether he likes it or not. Um, so I actually think that works quite well. I never thought about it like that. That's a good point. Um, but I, as I did with Blast in the Past, I'll talk about a couple of the alternate commanders. The Eleventh Doctor, I quite like. Um, he, whenever he deals combat damage to a player, so whenever he attacks and isn't blocked and manages to deal damage to one of your opponents, you can exile a card from your hand uh, with a number of time counters on it that's equal to its cost. Um, he also lets a if he can he he lets you pay two mana and a target creature. Uh, with power three or less, they can't be blocked this turn. I always think that's quite strong, you know, something not being able to block, because that means he can do it to himself, and you're going to get that exiled card out uh, from your hand. So I think that's great. I think he's quite strong. I think my favorite card possibly in the whole deck is the War Doctor. And again, he can be run um, as a commander for the deck with a companion, um, but I haven't done so yet. But whenever he works... 
Um, whenever a card comes in from Exile, which is what this deck does quite a lot with the Suspend mechanic, um, he gets a time counter put on him. Whenever he then attacks, he can deal damage equal to the you know to those time counters to any target. That works really well. I think that's really strong. This is a card that's running rings currently in Commander. Um, the guy that designed these decks um, is called Gavin Verhey, and he's a very he's, he's very good at what he does, and he's extremely passionate about both Magic and Doctor Who. So the decks were always in safe hands. But I feel like this is a card that he just wanted to put out there in the game. Um, there's a very niche rules interaction which i don't have to go into here but it involves that cascade mechanic that we were talking about earlier um um, whenever you're cascading a card i.e you play a spell and then flip off the top of your library until you flip into a cheaper spell that you can play for free each card you flip off um because of the way the rules work puts a time counter on the war doctor so if you pay if you play for example a, a two mana spell right and you purposely don't put any cards in your deck that cost one mana or less, the War Doctor will exile your entire library and then get 100 counters or whatever on him, 80 counters. And then whenever he's attacking, he's then pinging people for 80 at a time. And your life total in Commander is 40, so this is just player removal. He's very strong and um, very popular because of that. I, I did say he's one of my favourite cards in the whole deck. He also works quite well, if I remember correctly, with Wilfred Mott. Um, and I'm just looking at Wilfred's card here at the moment. So I managed to get these two cards out in one game uh, that we played. And um, The way Wilf works is at the beginning of your upkeep, he gets a time counter on him. Um, you can then look at the top uh, cards of your library, uh, the top X cards of your library, where X is the number of counters that Wilf has on him. Um you can then put those out um, on the if it's you can put a non-land permanent card with mana value three or less from among them among them on the battlefield. So I've made a mistake. He doesn't actually work well with the War Doctor. He's just another great card. Um, he's a great card for getting cards out of your library for free. Um, so I think he's fantastic. I really like him as well. The deck also does come with its own version of the Brigadier in the form of Kate Stewart, and she works very very similarly uh, to the Brigadier, um, except. The thing that triggers her is putting time counters on a permanent you control. So whenever you time travel or whenever something goes into suspend, um, Kate uh, creates a soldier token. Um, and she can also do the thing where you pay it and give them, uh, you know, boost their power and toughness um, where that's the number of time counters. So I think she's great as well. Maybe that's the commander that should be played in this deck if it gives you a headache because I don't actually think that I've... I've drawn that card before playing the deck, and mm-hmm. that looks pretty pretty spicy. I have to say, I, I think I think it's I, I I like that those sort of simplify the two decks, you know, and it's it's the father and daughter combo that they both do very similar things, and they're sort of the easy option for playing the decks. Um, they can both they're they're both in the right colors to run the decks. So I think they're great cards. Um, we've got a couple of sagas in here as well. Um which again represent different Doctor Who episodes. You've got the 11th hour, which starts for searching your uh, library for a Doctor card, revealing it and put it in your hand. That's, you know, it's a regeneration story. You get a new Doctor at the beginning of it. Um, You create a food token on a human creature 
uh, with uh, you know that make doctor spells you cast cost one less to cast. Um, that's the you know Amelia sort of helping the doctor through his regeneration, making it easier for him, and uh, creating the food token. The food token actually comes with a picture of fish fingers and custard. Um, so it's playing out the eleventh hour, and then. Um, you create a token that's a copy of a target creature. Um, so any creature that's currently out, you create a token that's a copy of it, except it's Prisoner Zero. So that's Prisoner Zero coming along and copying different people, um, becoming them effectively. So again, it represents the story of this Doctor Who episode um, in Magic's mechanics. Um, so it works really well, and I really like it. Um there's also this one. This one seemed to be quite popular with some of our friends. It's everybody lives. Yes, um, and that's basically it. It sort of it almost puts a stop on the game where um, each creature becomes hexproof, which means it can't be targeted by other spells, um, and it becomes indestructible ten, until the end of turn. So it can't be it can't be destroyed either. Players also get the same thing. It basically it, it actually says players can't lose life this turn and they can't w- lose the game or win the game this turn there are a few cards in magic that function similarly to this and they're all extortionate and there's a reason why this card is 20 quid um these pre-cons are selling for maybe 50 quid each and that one card is worth nearly half of the price you pay for the deck um we could make probably a whole other episode um financial value so i don't want to maybe dip too much into it because let's be real it's not why the decks are good and it's not why people are going to buy the decks necessarily but this card is an outlier to that it's very strong cards that say players can't win or lose the game this turn um cards that say you can't lose life this turn even two mana to protect your whole board of creatures is a really really good effect on a card and the flavor of this is of course um, the Empty Child and the Doctor Dances where the Doctor says that iconic, just this once everybody lives, so it's just a, a, a solid card. Hit the nail on the head with it. Beautiful art as well. Like you can see the gas mask mummies um, and the nano jeans around them. Um, I, I will we'll talk about, I know this is an audio podcast, it might seem strange for us to talk about art. Um, I highly recommend going and look at, looking at some of the art for these cards um, as we mentioned them because they've done a really fantastic job um, of 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 representing these different moments in the different characters. Everybody lives, I think, is a highlight for that. The last card I'll mention from this set is the RMS Titanic, oh. which it 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 I a lot of our friends have said, or, or one of our friends in particular has said, this is really funny just to have a card called RMS Titanic. Um, if it gets hit at all, if it gets blocked, or if it hits something. It it effectively if it, you know if it deals combat damage to a player it sinks. It, you have to sacrifice it and create treasure tokens for the amount of damage it's done. As as an Irish person, I don't know whether to to cry or clap because that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Titanic hits an iceberg and sinks. It's uh, I I can't believe they did it. To be honest, it's it's it it actually. Yes, that's that's an element on it. In in Voyage of the Damned, the plan is the company or the CEO of the company that runs the Titanic, the spaceship version, wants to crash it for an insurance scam. He wants to get the insurance money. So when the Titanic gets destroyed, you get treasure tokens. And it's got nothing to do with treasure tokens lying at the bottom of an ocean, no. Everybody lives captured its story really well and had such brilliant art. But for me, the 
best card in terms of both lore capturing its story and art is I absolutely love the card Ecstatic Beauty for from Vincent and the Doctor and it it sort of just captures that final scene where he gets to see his artwork and what it means to him so well and the art is incredible, a Vincent van Gogh-style painting of that scene and, yeah, I, I say purely in terms of art and lore, that's one of my favourite cards in the deck. I just think that's beautiful. It is. It is indeed. And I, I have picked out, um, we'll come back and talk some about some of our favourite art pieces from this. Um, because That's one of the ones that I've picked out to talk about because it does do that Van Gogh style. It's, it's gorgeous. You're absolutely right. I think we'll have to call it there just for the uh, first episode uh, and we can pick up with Paradox Par, Masters of Evil and the rest of the Doctor Who set uh, next time then. Um, so I'll say thank you very much, Jimmy, uh, for coming on. Thanks. I'm looking forward to talking about the rest of it. And thank you, Ben, for coming on as well. It's been a delight. Thank you. I share Jimmy's views. Can't wait to dive into the next decks. And we'll be back uh, very soon to talk about the other two Doctor Who Commander decks and uh, the rest of the set then. Uh, Thank you and goodbye.